This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, we're getting closer to the arrival of that jolly old elf, aren't we? So let's squeeze out some more stories having to do with this joyful time of year. First, we visit with Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce as they put on the cloaks of the most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, and his trusty assistant, Dr. Watson. Now, of course, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were created by British author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Holmes is known for his proficiency with observation, forensic science, and logical reasoning that borders on the fantastic, which he employs when investigating cases for a wide variety of clients, including Scotland Yard. Now, tonight we hear the episode, The Night Before Christmas. Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce, the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invite you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And now I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson's waiting for us, so let's go in and join him. Come in, come in, come in. Ah, there you are, Mr. Bartell. Oh, say, Doctor, I can see you're going to have yourself quite a Christmas. Big tree in the corner with colored lights on it. Where'd you get those? Table covered with presents? You must be mighty popular. Uh, They aren't all for me, my boy. You see, I'm having a Christmas party tomorrow for my housekeeper's little nieces. Oh. I'm going to dress up as Santa Claus for them. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you look very convincing in the part. Oh, by the way, Doctor, I... uh, I brought you a little present. Here it is. I hope you'll like it. <laughs> I know you, Mr. Butler. I've got one for you, too, here, Summer. Oh, you you uh, mustn't open it until tomorrow. Here, here you are, my boy. Thanks a lot, Doctor. And uh, now, how's about tonight's story? Last week, you told us you'd chosen an adventure with a lot of Christmassy atmosphere. Yes, Mr. Bartell. My story begins on another Christmas Eve many, many years ago. The exact in 1886... Time the adventure occurred, I must confess I didn't quite understand what was going on myself. In fact, I never did uh, quite make head or tails of it until, until Holmes took pity on me later and explained the, the whole thing. But I shan't try to confuse you, Mr. Bartell. I'll tell you the story exactly as it happened. <laughs> right you are, Doctor. Let's go. Very well. On that Christmas Eve in 86, I was standing in our Baker Street rooms dressed in the costume of uh, Santa Claus. Holmes, his long, thin fingers pressed together, lay back in an armchair and gazed at me quizzically, while our housekeeper, Mrs. Hudson, stood by the door and... Uh, 
Mr. Watson, you make a grand Santa Claus. <laughs> Doesn't he, Mrs. Hudson? <laughs> Try the beard on, Watson, old chap. I'm afraid it's getting a little uncomfortable. Uh, uh, how, uh, how does it look? <laughs> oh, you look just like the old man on the Christmas cards, Doctor. <laughs> yes, Watson. It really becomes you. The cheery twinkle of the eyes, the ruddy complexion, and the uh, the appropriate girth. What a shame we can't obtain some snow on a sleigh and reindeer for you. However, I'm sure Mrs. Hudson's nieces will be very much impressed. Well, they will that, sir. And it's very kind of you, Doctor, to offer to come over to their house with me. With her father in the hospital and my sister at his bedside... It would have been a very miserable Christmas without me. Oh, I shall enjoy myself, but I think I'll take this beard off before we get there. That's it. Are you ready to leave, Mrs. Hudson? I am, sir. Will I get a cab? How far do we have to go? Oh, Lexington Gardens, number 28. It's just off the Edgeway Road, Doctor. Well, not far, but bearing in mind my costume, I suppose we'd better take a cab. Aye, sir. I'll get one. Holmes, what are you going to do with yourself? I hate leaving you alone on Christmas Eve. Oh, don't worry, old chap. I shall spend a profitable evening writing on my new monograph. Well, what's this one about? An analysis of teeth marks on pipe stems, with particular regard to indicated character. Oh, gracious me, how exciting. Well, I must be going. <laughs> don't forget your sack of presents, old fellow. No, 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 no. Uh, when you come to distribute them, you'll find that I took the liberty of adding a few trinkets on my own behalf. Oh, that's very thoughtful of you, Holmes. Excuse me, Mr. Holmes, but there's a gentleman to see you. Says he's an old friend of yours. Here's his card, sir. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's Lord Whittacombe. Splendid. Ask him to come up, please, Mrs. Hudson. All right, sir. And I hope your party is a great success, Mrs. Hudson. Well, thank you, sir. Are you sure you don't want me to stay now that you have a visitor? Oh, no, 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 no. Indeed, no, Mrs. Hudson. I can show the gentleman out myself. You go off and have a good time. Thank you, sir. Oh, I wonder what Lord Wisdom wants. Perhaps I should stay. No, no, please, my dear fellow, certainly not. Yeah? Yeah, you've far more important work to do. Whittacombe probably wants his revenge at chess. Or something equally innocuous. Off with you, my dear fellow, and enjoy yourself. Oh, I'd better go. Just the same, I wish you were coming with me. I'll uh, see you later. I shall be there. Uh, Come on up, Whittacombe. Hello, Holmes. Evening, Watson. You make a very convincing Santa Claus. Are you leaving? I'm afraid so, Lord Whittacombe. Well, good night, then. Uh, Good night, good night, sir. How are you, Holmes? All alone on Christmas Eve, eh? <laughs> yes, Whittingham, I'm glad you came over to see me. Mm-hmm. What's it to be, an evening of chess, or have you unearthed some recent treasure of medieval pottery that we can discuss? Neither, Holmes. I've come to you in your professional capacity. I I need help. <laughs> oh, come now, Whittingham. Don't tell me that after all these years of quiet friendship, you're going to become a client. <laughs> I'm afraid so, Holmes. Though I doubt if my problem will... Problem will interest you very much. It's hardly up to your uh, uh, rather colourful standards. Uh, care for a cigar? Oh, thanks. Ah. Now, my dear Whittigam, what's your trouble? Well, I decided this year to have a little Christmas party at my townhouse. I'm quite comfortably off, as you know, and it occurred to me that I have several relatives and friends who are not as well off. I'm having a party for them tonight, Holmes, and I hope you'd attend it, disguised as uh, Santa Claus. Oh, my dear fellow, I've adopted many disguises in my time, but Father Christmas has never been one of them. Why do you want me to attend your party in disguise in any case? You ashamed of your friendship with a, a private detective, or um, do you consider my features more acceptable when buried beneath the depths of a snowy beard? Oh, my dear Holmes, do take me seriously. I'm not joking, I assure oh, you. Of course you're not, of course you're not. You, uh, you want me to attend your party in disguise. Why? 
I'm giving some very valuable presents, uh, diamond and onyx cufflinks, mm-hmm. uh, platinum and ruby earrings, and then such like. And I've wrapped each of the presents in banknotes. Oh, me. Uh, where are these presents now? In a sack, in charge of my butler. I was going to dress up as Santa Claus and give them out myself, until I got the warning letter. That's why I've come to you. Warning letter, eh? Yes. I received it by this evening's post. Listen to this. <clears throat> my dear Lord Whittacombe, your generosity with Christmas presents borders on ostentation. We do not approve. Neither we receive five thousand pounds in sovereigns at post restaurant box three seven nine by six o'clock on Christmas Eve, or I'm afraid your Christmas party will be conspicuous by its absence of presents. Let me see that note, Whittingham, will you? Yes, here you are. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Plain paper, torn from a penny notebook. The writing is obviously disguised. By George, yes. Whittacombe, I accept the case. I'll come with you to your party at once, and furthermore, I shall follow your suggestion regarding a disguise. Dressed as Santa Claus, I shall be less likely to attract suspicion. I'm delighted, Holmes. But uh, what made you decide so suddenly? This writing, my dear fellow, this writing. Oh, it's uh, in a false hand. I know that characteristic M in my dear Whittacombe. I've seen it too often at the beginning of a signature. Moriarty. Moriarty? Who's he? Oh, one of the cleverest and most unscrupulous criminals in England. Whittacombe, there's no time to be lost. It's, let me see now, 6.30. Half an hour beyond the deadline given you in this letter. We must go to your house at once. This is as far as the cab can take us, Doctor. Oh, here you are, cabby. Here's five shillings for you and a, and a Merry Christmas. Oh, bless you, gentlemen, and a Merry Christmas to you, too. <laughs> uh, you said you wanted to get into the house through the back way so that you could surprise the children. Yes, I thought well, I'd I them thought... to come down the kitchen chimney. Oh, you can get to the back of the house by going up the alley here. I'll go in the front door. Splendid, splendid, Mrs. Hudson. Which is the house? Number 28. It's the third one down the alley, Doctor. I'll have the back window open in no time, and you can slip in without any of the bairns seeing. Very well. Gloomy little street, I must say. Hello. Where's the music coming from? Oh, it's from that temple across the street, Doctor. The Disciples of the Octagonal Square, they call themselves. What on earth do you suppose that means? Oh, some newfangled cult. Heathens, most likely. Hello, hello. I'm not the only Santa Claus abroad tonight. Look at that fellow across the street over there. Oh, dressed just like yourself, Doctor, and carrying a sack, too. Oh, he's running up the steps to the temple. It's got, he, he slipped on the ice. Oh, I wonder what his hurry was. Here, here, my man. Oh, oh, oh be careful now, sir. Doctor. Dinner trip for yourself. Here you are, sir. Now, give me a hand. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, silly of me, what's in it? Oh, we Santa Claus have to help each other, you know. Up you come. That's it. Woo! Oh, oh Doctor, I told you to be careful. Oh. Now you've fallen, too. Oh, it's this confounded red coat of mine. It, it tripped me up. Oh. Did you hurt yourself, sir? No, 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 no. I'm all right, I think. Oh. Uh, how about you, sir? Well, I'm all right, thanks. Oh. Silly of me to run, wasn't it? Uh, here's your sack, sir. Oh, thank you. Good night, and uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, same to you, same to you. Oh, you went into the temple. Be a disciple of the octagonal square. You're sure you're no hurt, Doctor? No, no, of course not, Mrs. Hudson. Give me my sack, please. Thank you. Your sister's house is the third one down this alleyway, you say? I'll hurry and open the back window. 
Yes, I'll be waiting for you, Mrs. Hudson. <laughs> rather fun. Shame Holmes isn't with us. Well, he's probably happier having a good game of chess with Lord Willicombe. This is my house, Holmes, number 39. 39 Barnson Square, eh? And dear old Watson is just around the corner in Lexington Gardens and hasn't any idea that I've left Baker Street. Yes, uh, here you are, Caddy. Uh, thank you, sir. A uh, Merry Christmas, sir. Uh-huh. Listen to that. Carol singers. Yes, we'll probably have our fill of them before this evening's over. Good evening, my lord. Have the, have the guests arrived, Hargreave? Most of them, sir. They're in the library. You brought another Santa Claus with you, I see, my lord. Another Santa Claus? What do you mean? The gentleman arrived three quarters of an hour ago, sir, dressed as Santa Claus. I took him to your study, my lord, and showed him the sack of presents. Confound it! He's got here before us. Where's this study? In this way. I hope I didn't do wrong, my lord. You told me that a gentleman dressed as Santa Claus would be coming here. Dear me, the gentleman appears to have gone. Yes, and the sack containing the presents with him. But he can't have left the house, my lord. I've been watching the front door. Yes, and while you were doing that, he slipped out through the window here. The catch is undone. Hargrave, describe this man. I can't tell you much about his appearance, I'm afraid, sir. He was dressed as Santa Claus, just like yourself. But I did notice one thing about him, sir. Oh, what was that? He lisped, sir. It was quite pronounced. Of course. Lou the Lisper. Who on earth is Lou the Lisper? One of Moriarty's most trusted accomplices. Fortunately, though, I've had news of him lately through my underworld grapevine. You, uh, you know where he lives? He's reputed to have some uh, connections with a new cult that calls themselves the Disciples of the Octagonal Square. Their headquarters are just around the corner from here. Let, let's go there at once. Of course, and Hargrave. Yes, sir. Get a message to Scotland Yard as fast as you can. Ask for Inspector Lestrade and tell him to join me at the Temple of the Octagonal Square in Lexington Gardens as soon as possible. Oh, the children are awful excited, Doctor. I told them you just came down the chimney. Oh, I'll slip the beard on and then I'll go into them. There we are. Will I announce you, Doctor? Yes, yes, please, Mrs. Hudson. All right, sir. Now, children, quiet. Santa Claus is coming to see you and he's brought you all presents. Oh, hello, hello, children. Hello, Santa Claus. My name's Elsie. Did you bring me a present? Oh, I, I did, Elsie. I look in my sack in a minute. And uh, what's your name, young man? Herbert, they call me Bertie. Did you come down the chimney? Yes, Bertie. I bet you had a time doing it. You're so fat. Oh, don't be rude, Bertie, or Santa Claus won't give you your present. And what's your name, little man? Liable. I've got a cold. Yes, you have. Uh, well, children, gather around me and I'll see what present I got for you. Uh, Let me say, uh, The uh, first present is for... Oh, I'll be right. It says for Her Grace, the Dowager Duchess of Beulah. Oh, do you suppose Mr. Holmes has been playing a practical joke on you, Doctor? I suppose so, but I can't see the point myself. But he did say that he'd added a few trinkets of his own. I want my present. Then supposing you take this, Elsa. Oh, thank you. And this one is marked for... 
the Reverend Arthur Carter. And okay. what Holmes is up to. Uh, uh, here you are, Bertie. True thing. And this is for you, Lionel, because you've been a, a good little boy. This is a very big, is it? I wanted the dog. Oh, wanted the dog because we have... Well, I'll bring you a dog next year, Lionel. Oh, Dr. Watson. Uh, yes, we have... Oh, look at the wrapping on these presents, Dr. Weather. Twenty-pound notes. Cut. Oh, oh. look what I got. Now, let me see. Why, uh, cufflinks and Dr. diamond and onyx. Ones, unless I'm very much mistaken. I got pretty earrings. Look how they sparkle. Let me see, I'll see. Oh, oh. gracious, I swear that these what are diamond rubies. What in thunder's going on? I want my earrings back. Give me back mine, too. Well, 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 well here, here you are, here Dr. you are. Dr. Watson, what do you suppose has happened? I don't know, Mrs. Hudson. Perhaps my toys are still at the bottom of the sack. I can't understand it. Oh. I wish Holmes were here instead of dozing in front of our fire in Baker Street. <laughs> Where are you, Holmes? Here by the bed. This is the only room in the temple that gives any signs of having been lived in. I think our bird has been here, but I'm afraid he's flown. If Inspector Lestrade will get here, strike a match, will you, Buddicum? Right. Yeah. Here's a candle on the table. Oh, just as I feared. Look on the bed. A red coat and a beard. Yes, Lou, the Lisper has discarded his disguise and gone. And with him, I'm afraid, your valuable presence. Oh, wait a minute. Here's a sack lying on the floor. Oh, no, this isn't mine. Look what's in it. A toy dog. Large box of chocolates. Little girl's dog. What in thunder? Well, this is Watson's sack. But how on earth could Lou the Lisper have got hold of it? Somewhere, somehow, he and Watson must have made an accidental change. And Lou the Lisper is no doubt trying to track Watson down at this very moment. We must work fast, Whittigam. Or my friend's life and those of Mrs. Hudson and our relatives won't be worth our tinker's dam. <laughs> Oh, now, Doctor, you can't break off your story there. Oh, yes, I can, my boy. Before I go on, I thought we'd have a glass port just to uh, freshen us up. Oh, well, that's that's something different. Of course. Instead of talking about port, as I sometimes do, it'll be nice to drink some for a change. There you are, my boy, and a, and a Merry Christmas to you. The same to you. And now, what happened next, Doctor? We left you at the children's Christmas party and Sherlock Holmes and Lord Whittacombe around the corner at the Temple of the Octagonal Square. Yes, Mr. Bartell, although at the time, of course, I had no idea what was going on. There I was, cheerfully handing out gifts worth, well, if not a king's, at least a baronet's ransom. While outside the Temple of the Octagonal Square, Holmes and Lord Whittacombe were talking to Inspector Lestrade of Scotland Yard. In a nutshell, yeah, it seems to me, Lord Whittacombe, you'd have been wiser to get in touch with Scotland Yard when you first got the warning note. We could have nabbed him when he came to your house and pinched the sack of presents. Mr. Arthur, no time for post-mortems. We've got to reach Lou the Lisper before he finds Dr. Watson. Do you suppose he can do that, Holmes? It wouldn't be difficult. Lou the Lisper is nearly as clever as his master, Professor Moriarty. The chances are that you were followed when you came to Baker Street tonight, Whittacombe, and it's equally likely that Watson and Mrs. Hudson were followed as they left it. 
Moriarty seldom leaves anything to chance. Well, where did Dr. Watson go tonight? 28 Lexington Gardens. It's just around the corner from here. Well, then let's go there at once. Fight not quarry away. No, 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 Mr. Arden. We must use a little subtlety. Now, Lou Lisper wishes to recover that sack of presents from Watson. How would he invade the party with the least possible trouble? By, uh, by dressing up as Santa Claus again? No, no, I think he's overplayed that role for one evening. Well, then how would he try to get in, Mr. Holmes? Oh, come now, Lestrade. What group of people can enter any house on Christmas Eve without invitation and without creating suspicion? You can, Lou. Exactly, my dear fellow. I shouldn't be at all surprised if at this very moment Lou Lisper and some of his gang are singing carols outside 28 Lexington Gardens. Well, then what are we going to do? Form a rival choral society. How many of your men did you bring with you? Three. A sergeant and two constables. Wearing greatcoats? <laughs> yes, Mr. Holmes. But why? Good. They can hide their helmets and pretend to be singers. Come on. Let's go over there, and while we're walking, we'll rehearse our carols. We must appear reasonably convincing. Sanjare, Lestrade, Sanjare. Santa Claus? No, no, you mustn't make Santa Claus too tired, lad. Oh, that's all right, Mrs. Hudson. Hop on, lad, hop on. Oh, they sing. Yeah, they'll Oh, isn't that nice. Can't they come inside and sing for us, Santa Claus? Yes, of course they can. Ask them to come in, Mrs. Hudson. Oh, I'd like to. Oh, come on, let me get on your back, too. Oh, now, now, take it easy. Oh, there we go. I want to see your reindeer, Santa. See my reindeer? Oh, what do you want? on the roof. I'll climb up and see him. No, 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 you mustn't do that. They're asleep. Oh, here are the carol singers. Off you get, children. There we go. That's it. Now, good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, and Merry Christmas. Would you like to sing some carols for the children? After that, I'm sure you'd like a drop of <laughs> something to warm you up. Well, thank you, sir. We should like that. Uh, haven't I uh, met you before somewhere, my man? Uh, no, sir, I'm sure you haven't. Uh, come on, man, let's sing Good King Went for it. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen. Well, here we are outside the house, Mr. Rome. Now watch. Listen. Uh-huh. Luther Lisper and his men are already there. Are we going in now? In a moment. Now, men, you will have your truncheons handy? Yes, Mr. Holmes, we're ready. Splendid. Now, remember, when we're inside and I yell, Merry Christmas, at the top of my voice, you bring out your truncheons and get Lou Lisper and his gang out of there as quickly as possible. Don't arrest them until you get them outside again, Mr. Hard. I don't want to frighten the children. Right, you are, Mr. Holmes, we're ready. Just give us the word and we'll go in and get them. <laughs> singing, and now, how about something to warm you all up? That won't be necessary, Dr. Watson. See to the door, Sammy. Now, all of you, stay right where you are. Who are you? What do you think you're up to? Please don't be difficult, Doctor. All I want is the jewels out of my sack that you stole from me tonight. If you try and stop me, I shall have to hurt you. <laughs> Why do you talk so funny? You got a cold like me? Shut up. Now, Doctor, where are the jewels? Oh, curse it. There are some more carol singers outside. Why don't you go away, Lou? No, better let them come in. If we don't, they might get suspicious. All right, Lou. Listen, know what you're up to. Now, no tricks, Doctor. 
If you try and give an alarm, I shall have to get rough with oh, you. I don't mind about that, but just remember that there are children present. Oh, yeah, Manny. Yeah, you only here before you, right? Oh, uh, what you say? We all join a little carol for the nippers, right? Uh, well, uh, all right. Uh, what, what do you want to sing? Yeah, man, uh, up the little angels sing, right? Uh, all right, all right. Uh, come on, men. Let's sing. Oh, the angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Merry Christmas! Look at Watson, what's happening? They're all hitting each other with trunches. Yeah, you can't do that. They're all going away. They're dragging each other out. Hey, come back here. Oh, terrible. Holmes, Holmes, what in fun is going on? I'll explain it to you later, old chap. Lestrade. Yes, Mr. Holmes. Uh, take them to Scotland Yard and prefer charges. I'll be over in a little while and give evidence. Right you are, sir. <laughs> too bad we didn't catch Professor Moriarty, too. Well, at least we have some of his cohorts. I'll see you later, Lestrade. Well, I wish I knew what was going on here. Is Moriarty mixed up in this business? Yes, Watson. I'll tell you all about it as soon as I've straightened this thing out. Now, Whittacombe. Yes, Holmes. The 20-pound notes that you used as wrapping for your gifts seem to have been scattered all over the house. Uh, do you want me to recover them, too? No. From what you've told me of the children, I think their parents could use the money much more profitably oh. than my relatives. In any case, I can replace it. A very generous Christmas gift. Well, children, did you enjoy the uh, little game we staged for you? It was enough. But yes, I nearly died laughing when they started hitting each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, children. And now I uh, I want you to show me the presents you received. I got these pretty earrings. Oh, they were a part of the game, too. A nice little girl like you doesn't want silly earrings, Elsie. Here's a beautiful doll for you. Ooh, her eyes open, check, and everything. And what did you get, my little man? These. Oh, cufflinks. Good gracious, who wants cufflinks when he can have a, a clockwork train? You want to exchange? My lord, love a duck, yes. I wanted the dog. There's one for you, Lionel. A nice, nice woolly dog. Oh, good. And here's a Lovely. nice... Here you are, Charlie. Here's a nice big box of chocolates, too. You can all share them. Oh, <laughs> love me. What a night. I ain't had as much fun since Granny got her fingers stuck in a plug hole. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still don't understand what's going on, Holmes, but I, I must say this has all the earmarks of... It's been a happy Christmas. <laughs> yes, oh, oh, oh. Mrs. Hudson. Hi, Mr. Holmes. Uh, how's, the, um, how's the turkey coming along? Oh, it'll be ready in a few minutes, Mr. Holmes. Splendid. <laughs> and while we're waiting, perhaps the children will oblige with something we haven't heard so far. Yes, Mrs. I know what you mean. A Christmas carol that really sounds convincing. How about it, children? All right, sir. Come on, Elsie. Come on, Lionel. Doctor, that was really a a swell story. On a Christmas Eve like this, do you ever wish you were back in Baker Street celebrating Christmas there? Times, yes, but actually, Mr. Bartell, I'm I'm very happy right here in my little home. There on the table is a beautiful little Christmas tree. There's a fine fire in my fireplace. My two dogs, Monty and Willie, are are sleeping peacefully at my feet. And best of it all, I've got the love of every child in in the neighborhood. Yes, I got a great deal this Christmas Eve. 
lots to be thankful for. And what with the troubles of the world on their way to being settled, it looks as if this is the brightest Christmas that, that I've ever had. Well, that's how I feel about it, too, Doctor. I hope that all our friends listening in are just as happy this Christmas Eve as we are. And speaking not only for myself, but I know for all of us and for the Petri family, too, we wish every one of you a happy Christmas from the bottom of our hearts. God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Well, Dr. Watson, next Monday is New Year's Eve. What story do you plan to tell us? One that I think is quite extremely appropriate, Mr. Bartell. It takes place in a Scottish castle near Edinburgh on a New Year's Eve in 1900 and concerns a pair of lovers, an elderly baronet, and uh, a strange iron box that proved to be more than worth its weight in gold. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Blue Carbuncle. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for George Burns and Gracie Allen next on Theater of the Mind. Time now to take a trip back to 1943 to join George Burns and Gracie Allen. Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for Lever Brothers, Makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine Castiles. Well, it's Tuesday night again, time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen, our guests, the MGM star Charles Lawton and his charming wife Elsa Lanchester, Jimmy Cash and Felix Mills and his orchestra. And now, meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. Gee, that's a swell-looking Christmas tree you got, Gracie. Oh, isn't it handsome? I picked this tree for sentimental reasons. You did? Yes. Y- you see how it's little at the top and spreads out at the bottom? What's uh, sentimental about it? It reminds me of you. <laughs> Thanks, dear. Oh, won't it be wonderful, darling, spending another Christmas together? You bet. And this year it's got to be a real white one. A white Christmas? Yes. Gracie, it never snows in Hollywood. Oh, I didn't mean that. But remember the sheets we sent to the laundry six months ago? Oh, they're back. Yes. <laughs> we'll have a white Christmas and a starchy New Year, yeah. Oh, remember our first Christmas, George? You were dating me then. Sure, I remember. You kissed me under the mistletoe. My, you were a fiery lover. <laughs> I, uh, I was? Yeah. Oh, look, we're under the mistletoe now. How about a kiss? Oh, great.
Frank Sinatra. Oh, come on. I want to see if your kisses are still fiery. Okay. Well? Oh, I guess they're not making mistletoe like they used to. Well, come on. We better get busy and trim the tree. All right. And then we'll go to the pageant rehearsal. Pageant rehearsal? Oh. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Nigel Bolingbroke is staging a Christmas pageant. I'm the Snow Queen, and you're going to be Santa Claus. Look, I'm not going to be Santa Claus for that broken-down pool room bum. But, George, it's a wonderful part. You come down the chimney and put presents in the bottles that are hanging by the fireplace. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Bottles are hanging by the fireplace? Yeah, liquid stockings. (laughs) Oh, I see. You'll be such a cute little Santa Claus with a pillow stuffed in your coat and a long... Gracie, Gracie, I'm not going to be in the pageant. Well, you're very silly, dear. A talent scout might see you. Why, Lana Turner was discovered just sipping a soda in a drugstore. Well, maybe Lana Turner had more to offer than I would a Santa Claus. Oh, I don't know. With a pillow in front of you, you'd have... Never mind, never mind. (laughs) Come in. Greetings, good people. Tis I, Bolingbroke. Oh, hello, maestro. I was just telling George that we want him to play Santa Claus in our pageant. Yes, and I turned it down, cue ball. Boy, you can't be serious, Burns. What a pageant it will be. The very thought of the first scene warms my heart. As the curtain rises, the stage is crowded with little children. Little tots too young to have an agent, all working for nothing. <laughs> yes, that would warm your heart. And then, tally-ho, out upon the stage comes jolly old St. Nick in his sleigh. Drawn by his faithful reindeer, Dunder and Blitzen, Dancer and Prancer, Comet and Garrett Lidecker. <laughs> Comet and Garrett Lidecker? It's an actor friend of mine. Though reduced to playing a reindeer, he insists upon full billing. <laughs> Look, I don't want to have anything to do with this broken-down pageant. Uh. Apparently, Mrs. Burns, we must seek elsewhere for a sucker, a Santa. Oh, I've got it. The perfect Santa Claus. Charles Lawton. Oh, stop. Well, he's already got a big bundle. (laughs) All he has to do is move it around to the back. Gracie, you'll never get a man like Charles Lawton to be in the silly pageant. Hi, hi, folks. Am I interrupting anything? Not a thing, Bill. Well, friend Goodwin, I'm so happy to see you. Your arrival is most opportune. Will a half a buck be enough? (laughs) Don't be crude, my dear fella. I merely wish to proffer you the role of Santa Claus in our Christmas pageant. Oh, well, you're too late, Q-Ball. I'm taking Santa's place at the department store Toyland this week. Oh, really, Bill? Uh Oh, I'll bet it's fun giving the kiddies presents. Oh, it is, Gracie. You ought to see their little faces light up when they unwrap them and say, Ooh, look, Sandy gave me a great big bar of swine. Uh, that's the present. Well, sure, George. Swan, the new white floating soap is a present for the whole family because it's four soaps in one. The soap for your hands and face, a wonderful soap for bathing the baby, and perfect for dishes and light laundry. Four swell soaps in one, a great wartime buy. Well, Bill, what if a little girl asks for a doll? Oh, uh, Bill has a special bar of swan that says mama when you break it in two. (laughs) Well, the little girls like to climb up on my lap and have me tell them how to wash the dishes with swan. I tell them about those long-lasting swan suds, and I tell them that swan is so mild and gentle they don't have to worry about rough dish panty hands. They like that, huh? Oh, sure. Fascinates them. Why, yesterday, a little girl named Nancy sat in my lap for a half hour. Well, is she big enough to wash the dishes? Well, I think so. <laughs> She's 22. 
Claus, I better get in touch with Mr. Lawton right away. Oh, now, Gracie, surely you're not serious about this. Surely you wouldn't bother a great actor like Charles Lawton with the silly pageant. I know I can trust you. <laughs> Mama's little dreamer. Gracie, I want you to promise me that you won't ask him. Well... Go on, promise. All right, I promise. Good. Now behave yourself while I go down to the cigar store. Well, I'd better start for Mr. Lawton's house. Well, Gracie, you just promised George. I promised I wouldn't ask Mr. Lawton to be Santa Claus. Yes? But I didn't promise I wouldn't ask his wife to ask him. Oh, oh, you're going to talk to Mrs. Lawton, Elsa well, Lanchester. Sure, sure. The way to a man's heart is through his wife. I thought it was through his stomach. Well, in Mr. Lawton's case, there's a shorter way. <laughs> She's such a wonderful hostess. Of course, the sandwiches were terribly small. True, and the cocktails were rather poisonous. And the flowers on the table were all droopy. Most of the guests were droopy, too. Yeah, and Maggie had on the same dress she's worn at the last three parties. The last four? But it really was a charming party. Oh, delightful. <laughs> well, i better get down to business, Elsa. Do you think Charles would like to play Santa Claus in a Christmas pageant? Santa Claus? Yes. It would be a nice change from his movie work, and I know how tiring that can be. What do you mean? Well, George and I saw him in a picture not long ago, and I remember saying, George, Charles must be working too hard. He doesn't look well. What picture was that? Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> yes, he did look a bit seedy in that one. But he'd look fine as Santa Claus. Why don't you have George play the part? Well, I asked him to, but he wouldn't do it. You mean he refused? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's absurd. After all, he's only a husband. Well, doesn't Charles ever refuse? I should say not. He wouldn't dare. Gracie. Does George wear the pants in your house? Well, not so much in the house, but always when he goes out. <laughs> I mean, is is he boss? Oh, sure, sure. You've obviously let him get out of hand. Can't you control him at all? Well, George was pretty well under control the first few years we were married, but then my mother left. <laughs> but, Tracy... The wife must be boss. For example, Charles serves me breakfast in bed. Does George do that? Oh, no, no. He makes me come down to the table before he serves mine. <laughs> what about closing the windows and turning the heat on in the morning? Oh, well, I've been doing that recently. It's icy cold in the room when we wake up. Paul, the more reason why you should make George do it. Oh, I don't have the heart, Elsa. He lies there and looks at me so pathetically with those two big blue lips. <laughs> Soft, Gracie. Be like me. Keep Charles under your thumb. My. I lay down the law and he obeys it. Gee. I crack the whip and he jumps. Really? Absolutely. And to prove it, <laughs> I, I promise you that Charles will play Santa Claus 
Because I'll order him to play it. Oh, yes, it's sweet. So full of the real Christmas spirit. Come on, let's go up to the attic. There's a red flannel nightshirt there that, that I made him stop wearing. It might do for part of the costume. Well, why did you make him stop wearing it? Oh, bad for my nerves. He looked exactly like a burning building. <laughs> Well, while the girls were in the attic, Mr. Lawton came home. He just hung up his hat when there was a knock at the door. Oh, hello. Come on in, George. Oh, thanks, Charles. Thanks. Say, Charles, I'm looking for Gracie. Is she here? Why, George, how flattering. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought uh, maybe uh, I asked Gracie... Uh, I, I, I asked Gracie to tell you that uh, for you not to be in her Christmas fashion... I told her not to do it, but I thought maybe she did anyway. You meant she might have disobeyed you? Yeah, sure. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's absurd. After all, she's only a wife. Well, <laughs> doesn't Elsa ever disobey you? I should say not. She wouldn't dare. You're too soft, George. You let Gracie run over you. Really? Certainly. You're the husband. You're entitled to be boss. Who brings the money in your family? Who earns the living? I say you, you, you are in rather an awkward spot, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. Believe me, I keep Elsa under my thumb. My. I lay down the law and she obeys it. She? I crack the whip and she jumps. Really? Absolutely. Uh, you wear the pants around here, huh? I haven't had them off in 17 years. <laughs> Boy, you you go out whenever you want to, huh? Not a question. Your wife doesn't complain when you have the boys over for poker? She wouldn't dare. Well, how does she feel about smoking cigars in the living room? I'd never let her do it. <laughs> no, I... I mean, can you do it? I do as I please. And if Elsa so much as raises an eyebrow at me, I turn her across my knee and spank her. What was that, Charles? Oh... Hello, darling. I didn't know you were home. Evidently not. Gracie, give me that flannel nightshirt. Oh, here you are, Elsa. Charles, take this to your room and throw legs on it. You're going to be Santa Claus. Don't argue with me, fat boy. <laughs> go to your room. Yes, dear. Oh. George Burns, you go and help him. But, Gracie... Don't argue with me, skinny boy. Yes, dear. <laughs> this is fun. Here's our popular young tenor, Jimmy Cash, with Felix Mills and the orchestra, and an old favorite that's coming to the fore again, a ballad called Home. Jimmy? Evening ever brings to me dreams of days that used to be, memories of Are ever ending home. 
shadows conceal the setting sun. Stars begin a peeping one by one. Night covers all and all. Fortune may forsake me. Sweet dreams will ever take me Mr. Lawton, so you don't wear the pants in your family after all. No, George, I confess, I wear the girdle. <laughs> I can't believe it. A big guy like you afraid of your wife. It's a secret I've kept from the whole world. Why, outside of my home, everyone's afraid of me. Policemen tremble when I talk to them. Truck drivers get out of my way. Department store clerks actually wait on me. <laughs> But at home, you're a milk toast. Yes, it's terrible. I, I went to a psychoanalyst. What did he say? He said, talk back to your wife. Don't be afraid of her. He was a single man. <laughs> I guess that. But, Charles, why are you so afraid of Elsa? Does she beat you? Oh, of course not. That's just the point. She's sweet to me, and I love her. But I want to be boss, and she won't let me. <laughs> I long to be the caveman type. I go to a Humphrey Bogart picture and just sit there and drool. Well, haven't you ever gotten up enough nerve to do anything about it? Well, once I did lose my temper, Elsa criticized my work. That got you, huh? Yeah, so I took off my apron, threw down my broom, and walked out of the house. <laughs> You're a tiger. You know... Come in. Oh, excuse me, Mr. Lawton. I was looking for Gracie. Oh, hello, George. Hello, Bill. Charles, this is Bill Goodwin. How do you do? Well, gee, this is a lot, and you don't have to stick your tongue out at me. <laughs> That's his lip. He's pouting. Oh. He's hempecked. Ah, oh, go on. Not Charles Lawton. He's too tough. Well, I can still hear him saying, Mr. Christian, come here. Scrub my back with swan. <laughs> I don't recall that. <laughs> well, Charles, you must try it sometime. Swan's not only great for your bath or for bathing the baby, but it's just a soap for dishes and light laundry. Swan's the new white floating soap that's four swell soaps in one. Hey, Bill, we're serious. Gracie saw Elsa dominate Charles, and now I'm henpecked, too. Well, what are you, George, a man or a mouse? Get tough with Gracie. Scare her. Oh, tell her I'll leave her? No, don't bribe her. Scare her. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you how both of you can scare your wife. How? Tell him, tell him you won't let him bathe the babies with Swan. What babies? Well, any babies. Oh. Swan's great for all of them. Doctors recommend it because it's pure as fine Castile's, and it's so mild it's kind even to a little baby's tender skin, which, incidentally, is a tip-off to the fact that it's swell for your hands and face, your complexion. Say, Charles, maybe we should try to scare our wives. You're right. If we're ever going to get the upper hand, now's our chance. While there's a shortage of men. 
<laughs> right. Now you're talking. Once and for all, end that myth about the better half. You, we will. There's no such thing as a better half. Both halves are equally good. Sure. So when you break swan and two, put half in the kitchen and half in the bathroom. So long, Bill. You can, you can put your half in the bathroom for your tub or shower. Out, Bill. Or you can put it in the kitchen for the dishes or light laundry. Out. George. Let's go in there and pin their ears back. Okay. We'll show them who's boss. You said it. We'll scare the life out of them. I'll say we will. You go first. <laughs> well, we better go in together. You're right. United we stand. That's the stuff. Nothing can stop us. Now you're talking. We're husbands on the warpath. That's us. Let's have a drink first. <laughs> That's a good idea. One quick one to give us nerve. Yes, I'll cut some lemon and put on the teapot. Mm. Oh, <laughs> never mind that. Let's go in and get... Get this over with. Right you are. It's now or never. Sure. Our wives can't push us around. I'll say. Men are meant to be masters, not women. Right. Do you think we'd better arm ourselves? <laughs> oh, come on. We're not afraid of them. Remember Captain Blog. Very well. Are you with me? Yes. Let's go. Good. Mrs. Lock. Mrs. Burns. Yes, sir? Yes, sir. Sit down. Sit down. We are sitting. And stand up. <laughs> stand up. Sean, what is the meaning Quiet. of Quiet. We have come to deliver an ultimatum. Yes! I mean, yes. <laughs> Henceforth, we will give the orders, not you. And to start with, we will not play Santa Claus. That's right. So you can take this Santa Claus suit and stuff it in the chimney. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye! Goodbye! Oh, my goodness, what happened? Charles must have gotten into my vitamin capsule. <laughs> If we let them get away with this, we're sunk. You're right. They might tell other husbands and organize. Yeah. And men are scarce now, even men like ours. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I've never seen Charles like this before. Oh, I could handle your husband, but I wouldn't know what to do with George. Oh, George is no problem. Say, I have an idea. I'll handle your husband and you handle mine. It's a deal. Mr. Burns. May I see you alone for a moment? Why, of course, Elsa. Oh, and Mr. Lawton, I'd like to speak with you. What is it, Elsa? Sit down, George. I'll sit here at your feet. Well, if that's the way you like it, it's... <laughs> your feet have so much character, George. What size are they? Elevens. <laughs> the best size. There can be no nonsense. About a man who has so much of him on the ground. <laughs> Look, if you're trying to flatter me into playing Santa Claus, oh, you... Oh, no, George. I admire you for refusing. You are so virile, so masterful. Well, Charles spoke up, too. Only because he had your strength to lean on. Really? <laughs> you are strong, aren't you, George? Well, I'm... Not exactly a panty waist. <laughs> Modest boy. Flex your arm and let me feel your muscle. Okay. Grab hold. Go on. Flex it. It's flexed. <laughs> How nice to have smooth muscles that don't make lumps. Yeah. Your personality and your gorgeous resonant voice. Amos behave all by myself. Oh, you sing, too. Of course. Do you ever sing any lighter things, such as Christmas carols? Oh, sure. 
Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Magnificent, George. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. <laughs> you actually seem to have bells that swing back and forth in your throat. Oh, it's a tonsils. <laughs> what a pity the world must be robbed of such beauty. Huh? If you played Santa Claus and made your entrance singing jingle bells, it would be the theatrical event of the century. Bigger than the Avon comedy fall? <laughs> I, I think so. Well, why discuss it? I admire the stand you've taken and you mustn't change it. Wait a minute. You can't tell me what to do. I can't? No. If I want to play Santa Claus, nobody can stop me. Oh, George, you're so strong. So terribly strong. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> So, Mrs. Burns, if you have any notion of wheedling me into the part of Santa Claus in your moth-eaten pageant, forget it. I won't do it, and that's final. Then I may as well go? You may as well. All right. I won't bother you anymore. May I have a picture of you to take with me? You women seem to picture me. <laughs> yes. And, and if it's not too much trouble, please sign it. To Gracie, from the greatest actor of all time. Oh, it's no trouble at all, my dear. Uh, do you really think I'm the greatest? Oh, certainly. I've seen lots of actors, but your head and shoulders and so on and so forth above them all. Well, very well. Here's your picture. But you didn't write from the greatest actor of all time. It's stamped on all my pictures. Oh, my, you're handsome. I can't understand those silly people who stand in line for hours to see a Errol Flynn movie. I wait until one of your pictures is playing, and then I go right in and pick out the best seat in the house. I had no idea you were such a devoted admirer. Oh, I'm not the only one. You know, I saw a revival of Henry VIII not so long ago, and when you played one scene, the whole audience was in tears. Uh, the scene where I was a feeble, broken old man. No, the scene where you took a big bone with lots of meat on it and threw it to the dog. <laughs> One time, that was considered quite amusing. <laughs> I love to hear you deliver lines, Mr. Larkin. Those rich, beautiful sounds come pouring out of you like wine out of a barrel. <laughs> um, uh, 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 thank you, I think. <laughs> oh. You could take just any old words and make them sound wonderful. Like, for instance, ho-dancer, ho-prancer. Doesn't Santa Claus say that to his reindeer? Yes. Try it. Ho-dancer, ho-prancer. So it does sound good. Well, of course it does. But I'm, I'm not satisfied. I, I see dancer as a more delicate deer than prancer. Or, how's this? Um, ho-dancer. Who oh, Prancer? Oh, you're cute. <laughs> no, 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 Prancer needs to be polished. I see Prancer as a frisky animal, always kicking up his heels, something like this. Ho, oh, Dancer. Ho, 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 Prancer! <laughs> oh. oh, what a pity that such a great performance should never be heard. But it shall be heard. I insist that it be heard. Oh, you're so masterful, child. I guess I'll have to give in. 
Well, J.C., your problem is solved. George is in there, and he's agreed to play Santa Claus. What? Over my dead body? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gracie, it looks like you're going to have two Santa Clauses for your pageant. Well, yeah. I think the admission tickets will have to be brown ration stamps. (laughs) Well, won't we be giving the audience the two biggest hams in the world? George, you know who our guest is next week? John Garfield. Oh, sure. Oh, that poor boy. He's always been throwing into prison. Oh, yes. They throw him into prison for $30,000 a week. (laughs) Say, do you think we can spring him in time for our show? I'll talk to his agent. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thanks to our guest tonight, Elsa Lanchester, and her husband, Charles Lawton, who appeared with the kind permission of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of the Technicolor musical, Thousands Cheer. The makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your Columbia station again next week, same time, when we'll have as our guest, John Garfield. Remember, George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. And now till next Tuesday, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? And also adding, tomorrow night, don't miss the big radio treat of this year and every year. Lionel Barrymore as old Scrooge in Charles Dickens' immortal Yuletide story, A Christmas Carol. It'll be broadcast over most of these same stations at this same time tomorrow night. Get the whole family to listen to Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol starring Lionel Barrymore, the only time this season that Mr. Barrymore will broadcast this great Christmas story. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Christopher London, followed by Fibber McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. Stay tuned for Ziggy and Stardust next on Zoomer Radio. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.